at one point in time, we were all embarrassed about failure. And over the, a decade, it was awesome to see that pendulum swing the other way where it's like, failing is great, you, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's good to fail, it's good to fail. Well, I feel like it kind of went too far. Failing sucks. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Awesoming's podcast, where we highlight people pursuing their definition of, you guessed it, awesome. So buckle up and get ready for some more success story adventures and failures from Kentucky's tech and entrepreneur community. So uh, a year ago, last summer, I stepped out of TouchCast to start putting pen to paper. A neat thing for me was uh, using the Vote uh, Awards here in Lowell, VOGT, as a forcing function to actually put together a presentation of what my idea was. And luckily we were accepted into the Vote Accelerator where they give you some money, you know, no dilution, which is awesome to just help you get that idea into a prototype and really get going. And we took part in that and had a, a really nice little cohort um, uh, to really help each other. And that was the spark to really turn Unitonomy into something. Uh, you know, across all my um, <laughs> projects it feels like for the last decade i've been working with a small town in ukraine that's about the size of lexington and there's a university there it turns out a lot of engineering well we started using them to help us develop a lot of the games we were doing uh, software uh, even some hardware stuff back in the hasbro days and then um we ended up building an office of 30 people there for touchcast and so i've just returned to that same town to find people to create a team around unitonomy so over the fall, we put together that team, uh, developed an engine. Again, back to my game backgrounds, you kind of start by building a core engine and then you can build on top of that. So we built that communication engine uh, to augment communication across all the tools companies already use to figure out how to connect that central nervous system. Then um, starting in, in early winter, we started building out the alpha versions of products that are on top of that system. And I'll tell you more about the products in a minute. But uh, everything was going well. We we're about to start private betas. Uh, we were fundraising, got about halfway through our fundraise, and then boom, COVID-19. Uh, and so like every startup, we had to go back to the drawing board and kind of rewrite our plans, realizing, well, we're not going to um, get a lot of people to open up their wallets right now. So let's not burn energy on fundraising. Let's, let's call time out on that. Um, there's not a lot of companies that are going to want to pilot you know, brand new software when they're figuring out how to go remote overnight and, and deal with all the craziness of the pandemic. So let's just be patient and let's really f keep our products in the oven and just kind of mature them. And um, it's kind of where we are now. We literally, August here is a huge month for us because we are taking our um, products to a public beta stage and announcing them and trying to get people to come and start playing with them and give us feedback. Uh, we are restarting our fundraise and uh, we're you know really bullish on what's going to come this fall. To circle back a little bit on our model, we are not your average startup doing a lean startup method where we have like one product and um, you know that's it. Unitonomy is the name of our company, much like Atlassian is the name of the, that major project management suite, right? Now it's a $24 billion company. That's kind of our model. Let's start with this a vision of like all the different things that need to happen across culture, but let's start now tackling a few specific areas, building off our core engine. Um, so our three products are Git Commit, which is knowledge transfer for organizations. Glove, which is like single player mode of Git Commit. It's knowledge transfer for just you and future you to help you remember things. 
And then org vitals, which is back to that baseball advanced analytics metaphor. This is our culture analytics to really understand how people are performing as collaborators and how's the overall culture performing. Um, and we're going to see how these things are perceived, how people love them or don't love them, what pieces of them work, what don't work over the course of the next many months. We may end up kind of really narrowing our focus around one that if that people, customers really gravitate toward one, we realize there's huge value there. We'll just kind of put all of our eggs in that basket and go a little while on that before we expand back out then to the idea of the full suite. If each product has sort of a, a niche cohort of customers, we'll just kind of keep doing each three and kind of see how we go. Um, we'll, we're going to kind of evaluate things that way. We're a little different though than a, a lean startup. Um, but again, back to how game developers work, that's kind of our model. You create that engine and then you put a, a bunch of experiments out almost and really see where players go. And then you, you usually have hopefully one hit and, and that kind of uh, floats all boats. Yeah, no, that is, that's very cool. Thanks for that background. For you specifically, again, you mentioned COVID. I know that's been beyond frustrating as, as a business owner and you're trying to pivot. So speaking of you, you have three specific products. Did those each have different changes that you guys had to make with, with COVID? Can you talk into that a little bit? Yeah. So look, there's been more than one curveball of COVID. And I mentioned a few of them between fundraising and just getting our private beta started. But I tell you what, um, there's another aspect to all this that's, you know, I, I got to mention, which is like, wow, my kids are here now all the time. I have two little kids that aren't their, their five day a week preschool. So my wife who's also a full-time person, you know, we have to juggle that. There's a whole nother balance happening. And that, I knew that was personally going to slow me down over the spring and summer. So being patient was also about, you know, being a good dad. Um, and I, I don't think any founder should have to mask that. Right. So that's another curveball that I had to deal with. Um, to the product piece, um, the silver lining to the pandemic was, wow, every company that is a knowledge-based company where people work behind computers, they're going remote and they're probably going to stay remote for a long time. You know, Google, Facebook of the world, they've, they've announced they're remote until deep into 2021. Well, guess what? We suddenly have a hundred X the customers we thought we were going to have. Like we were always developing this kind of first for remote teams because that's where you have these, these issues of communication and culture, you know, that are so strong. You have to find a solution. Uh, well, now we have a lot of customers to sell to. Only bad news now is, you know, you see startups coming out left and right for some sort of aspect of solving a remote, whatever it is. So we have a lot more competition and just noise to stand out from the crowd that we're doing something kind of special, uh, kind of more of a bundled solution, if you will. Uh, so um, good and bad. Um, I, you know, I've done enough startups now to realize uh, you don't look down. There's always going to be curveballs. There's always going to be um, more problems to solve and more th unexpected things are going to happen. Try not to take for anything for granted, but even 2020 has taught me a lesson, which is, um, you know, people say like raise twice what you need. Well, I'm going to try to raise four times what we need, right? It's just really like, don't take anything more for granted because if 2020 has taught me anything, it's, there's always something else around the corner. Um, so, so yeah, that's where we are. I, I don't know if we've talked about this, your, you know, your product, what, what, is there functionality? How do they work? Again, I know you're servicing remote teams, but now a lot of companies that have had to go remote, how, how does your business, how do your products fit in and benefit their lives? So um, if they are an organization of about 20 people, maybe 15 or more, they're starting to have the first problems of issues of cohesion, let's call it, which is to say, 
um, there's enough people here that if you just start to lean too heavily on having meetings to keep everyone on the same page, you're going to fall over because now people don't have time to do the work, like I said. So that's where our product can come in and offer a lot of value. Git commit is to really help teams make that communication more efficient, more effective, especially if you're using like something like Slack. We integrate with Slack. Uh, we want to make it effortless to throw knowledge into our system and then make sure people are aware of that knowledge. You can email something in by just sending an email to at gitcommit.com. If you type XYZ at gitcommit.com, we'll automatically create a repository called XYZ and it'll just be waiting for you there. So we kind of automatically organize everything based on you just emailing in. The cool thing about email, you can use that from any tool, whether it's Salesforce or your email inbox or anything in between, you can almost forward anything by email out of that system and our system knows how to catch that and organize it. So that's kind of hard knowledge. But again, back to the soft idea here, we also want to capture kind of that soft knowledge. We ask how people feel. You know, we want to know what you're kind of focused on this week and why. How did your week go? What did you learn this week? We ask a lot of questions like that through our mechanism. Of what, it's like a pull mechanism where we want to pull knowledge out of people opposed to the push where people are just going to decide to push whatever they want into the system. We want both pieces of that knowledge. Then we know how to tap people on the shoulder to make sure the right people know the right things. That's sort of the vision of Git Commit here, especially as we start to develop our AI piece this fall, um, which we really want to make it even more sort of auto-magical where we can just see the information that people have inside their company, digest it, and then kind of anytime someone has a query, immediately give them an answer based on all the knowledge that's in the system to just make sure things are happening efficiently. So that's Git Commit. That's really all about knowledge transfer. Uh, Org Vitals, that's people analytics, that's culture analytics. This is a sense where we want to ask questions just like a consultant would to understand how people feel about things. How do they feel about their engagement? How do they feel about their experience? How do they feel about their collaborations? How do they feel about the overall culture? And we do that on a, a called like a pulse survey, just slowly and surely. We want to pull information out of people and develop that, that analytic dashboard. So the leadership has a sense of how they are doing. This isn't a tool where you literally look at and, oh, we need to fire somebody. That's not what this is about at all. It's about understanding how things change over time so you can see if you're effective in the things you're trying to do to improve the overall cohesion and culture versus uh, nothing's working or things are getting worse, maybe. It's just a new barometer for you to understand how culture is actually performing. Um, so that's get commit org battles. Those are real tools for organizations. Glove is different. Glove is for any individual that has the problem of they email themselves. We want to turn emailing yourself into a superpower, right? Email is awesome because it's so fast. You, you can be doing anything. I can be playing my kids and have an idea and email to myself. We just want to make sure Glove catches that and automatically organizes it just like get commit and then knows how to remind future Charlie or future you how to act on it in the right way. Maybe it's something to read later. Maybe it's a link to go to. Maybe it's something you want to tell someone in the next meeting with that person. Whatever it is, you just email it in. Our system organizes it for you. So you save your own normal inbox, all that clutter. But also, um, Glove will automatically organize it so everything's right where you need it. Random question. Of the three you've talked about, what one excites you the most? Well, um, like any dad, I love them all. <laughs> um, good safe answer <laughs> yeah well look I, I'm really excited about Glove because any time I tell someone Glove hey this is a system that solves emailing yourself blah 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 I get the same response you just said like I want to try that I need that that's always like music to an entrepreneur's ears when you hear like everyone wants to be a customer right so but let's really break these down right Glove is an individual tool individual products get out of the gate much faster than anything that's team based organization based the good news about a team-based or organization-based thing is even though the growth is slower there, you have network effects. 
and they will grow across an entire organization. It goes from person to person, team to team, department to department. Next thing you know, a big company is using that's bottom up sales. So slower out of the gate, but man, they can really get going great um, uh, once they catch on. But I think Glovel is going to lead the way for us because it's so easy to tell people, oh yeah, this is a tool that solves emailing yourself. You're going to love it. And, you know, I'm yet to say that to someone who doesn't offer to be a beta tester. So that's a really great sign. Yeah, that's that's really cool to hear. Yeah, I I can only imagine that having kids and then having a different variation of what you, what your company offers, you all want to have that mutual respect. So that I, I get you in there. One one thing that uh, I've been learning a lot in trying to implement in my work and would would love to hear from you is trying to fail more because failing points to your success. So Charlie, what what are you working towards? Maybe a goal or two specifically that you're that you're trying to accomplish and how are you going about failing to get to that point to get to that success i'm going to answer this in two ways uh i'll start with the first part which is kind of like a disclaimer which is um at one point in time we were all embarrassed about failure and over the, a decade it was awesome to see that pendulum swing the other way where it's like failing is great you, you know blah 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 you know it's good to fail it's good to fail well i feel like it kind of went too far failing sucks and it's i don't think it's healthy to have an entrepreneur culture where we're always almost like celebrating failure. But I think you're asking a really smart question, which is how are we experimenting? How are we going to learn as we go from the things that don't work so we can double down on the things that do work? And I'm a huge believer in that. We run experiments on both the product side as we try to find product market fit, of course, you know, feature here, what's customer think, et cetera, and always just looking for that feedback. But we're also doing a lot of experiments on what we call trying to find our wind channels we want to understand how customers discover us, how we get them in the door, and then how we convert them into a paid subscription. And across that whole funnel, we are running micro experiments to learn what doesn't work, what does work. Um, and this fall, my, our big goal is getting customers. We're finally, our horses are at the gate, they're, they're leaving the gate, awesome. We need customers so that we can not only learn from the product side of what they really love and how to double down that as we find product market fit, but like we're learning just how to find the customers and how to turn them into paid customers. And um, over time, hopefully we learn the right lessons so that like any startup, we're turning ourselves into a cash register, right? You know, here's your product, give us the money, everybody's happy. Right. That's to oversimplify things. That's what we're building. And you've got to, I think, really know how to be a good listener to your experiments to figure out how to build that thing. Right. That was great. No, I, I definitely think you interpret what I was putting down. So <laughs> yeah, thanks for picking that it's up. It's all about experiments so that you don't have a grand failure. But that, that said, I think in uh, the world, it is a really healthy thing that we talk about failure more openly. Now uh, we talk about how hard it is to be an entrepreneur um, it is very stressful. Every day is a new challenge. There will be grand mistakes. We made a huge mistake in the last week, technically, and we fixed it and we move on, right? You can't dwell on things. You can't look down. Just keep, keep climbing. That's what we have to do. So Charlie, last question. We're going to wrap, wrap up here. My favorite question to ask as a founder in Kentucky, what advice would you give to a new entrepreneur who has either recently launched a venture or someone who is timid to actually pursue the venture that they wake up thinking about, they think about in the shower, they think about eating dinner and they go to bed thinking about, and they haven't pulled the trigger. What would you tell them? All right. sounds like two different people. I'm going to start with the person that's already maybe in motion with a startup, but early stage, what advice would I give that person? And it'd be something like um, a mistake we made at Unitonomy is in the early days, especially 
we struggled to explain it. We just knew we had this thing that was going to help culture, but we always struggled kind of nailing down the positioning. And uh, in some ways, that was a flag uh, for for us where now we're separate products is much easier to explain kind of what each product does. And that, that really helps us. But at one time we just, we tried to kind of lead with like this grand vision and you need to know everything about you know, autonomy. And I think the mistake is, or the lesson is, um, you know, people harp on having a good elevator pitch. And I've learned that, wow, that's really true. You've got to be able to explain your value proposition in a sentence um, and not a mouthful. So that's, that's something that I've been reminded about through building a unit autonomy. Uh, two, uh, to the sort of person that's thinking about doing it, but maybe is timid and, and hasn't tried it. Um, you just have to jump in the deep end. You will not learn and live the mistakes without just doing it. You can read every piece of advice for every founder that everyone's ever written, and you still wouldn't be equipped to run a startup without having just jumped in the deep end and learned to swim. Right. Um, and give yourself leeway to make mistakes and not, uh, be too hard on yourself Everyone does. Uh, no one is an overnight success. Um, behind every overnight success was a decade of uh, attempts uh, and trials and tribulations. Um, and uh, you just got to start doing it so that you get your decade started. Man, that's that is so true. People don't people don't see the the decade or maybe more of of groundwork someone builds. They lay down and then you know overnight, man, what happened and Sure, there there are the Cinderella stories, but yeah, that's not you know, the case I for most people. There's, in the age of social media and people propping up young founders, um, there's uh, a lot of championing um, a, a, a few um, exceptional stories when the truth is um, I can point to you to most big, huge, successful startups all had pivots. All those founders had previous startups that maybe had some success. Maybe a few of them maybe had a great exit before. That's that's cool. But again, those kind of minority. But a lot of the, even those people that are kind of serial entrepreneurs and have had lots of exits, they started somewhere and probably didn't have success in their first attempt. So I think everyone has to realize that it's hard. Um, you just have to go for it, keep learning, and uh, don't look down. That's great. Charlie, thank you so much for your time. I know we are stoked to not just watch you and Tommy grow, but grow our friendship over the next year. And man, we're pumped for you. So keep on being awesome. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Awesomings Podcast. And another quick thank you to Lee Rosevere and a few members from our community who provide the music that you hear in the show. Lastly, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. Or even better, come on down to our space. Come be a part of our community and get plugged in. And let's start something awesome together. You guys rock. We'll see you next time.